Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Chapel Hill. And you know, there's something about a waterfall, and especially of what David wrote here in Psalm 42, that it's almost like you can just hear the voice of God as you just behold the majesty in the roar. And, and I believe that we live in a time where the, the call of the Holy Spirit is to become familiar with that voice and to discern what river is flowing in our lives and our environment at any given moment. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, and this might be old for some people, but newer for others in the room this morning. But often throughout the Bible, um, it uses the analogy, I would say, of a river as the Holy Spirit. Right, Jeannie? <laughs> See, nodding back there. But here's the thing. It's not just an analogy. It's actually a spiritual reality of when heaven meets earth. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but let me just say this. Remember in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 1 through 3, the Bible says that there were four headwaters of four rivers that flowed out of the garden. You see, the rivers became a physical expression of a spiritual reality. And that spiritual reality is that there is a flow of the Holy Spirit within us and around us. That he wants us to continue to understand, gain revelation on, and jump into it. Because like Ezekiel 47, you can get over your head. But unlike in the natural, you can breathe underwater in the spiritual. You, you don't want to be in over your head in the natural and water, right? But in the spiritual, you want to be in over your head. You want to get as saturated and consumed and deep in it because it's him. The river is the Holy Spirit. Are you guys with me? Turn to John 7. Jesus had something to say about this. And um, before I read, John 7, 37 is where we're going. John 7, 37 in the New Living Translation. It's interesting that if you go back, and I don't have time to read the whole chapter, but if you go back and read the context of what we're about to read, um, the Feast of Tabernacles is happening in Jerusalem, okay? And all of Jesus' family are going, of course, like everybody would. And the funny thing is his brothers are kind of, Goading him a little bit. They're like, Jesus, come on, man. You, you say you're the man. Like, get down there to this feast. And we know from the scripture that, um, like, James, that wrote the book of James, his brother, he didn't actually believe that his brother was the Messiah at this point. Now, there's, there's some humor in all that because I don't think anybody <laughs> who slept in the same bunk with Jesus, you, it's hard. It's hard to believe that someone you shared a life with could be someone as prominent as a prophet, much less the very son of God or the promised Messiah. So I don't, I don't really like to give um, the brothers of Jesus too hard a time, but they're trying to coerce him to go to Jerusalem for the feast. But Jesus declines in the early part of the chapter and he stays up north in Galilee because he says, it's not my time yet. Y'all remember that? No, it's not my time to be revealed. And so he's hanging back. However, the funny part is, it's almost like they left and he couldn't help but go. 
So he knows from the father, it's not yet my time. But throughout the chapter, he's getting closer and closer and closer to Jerusalem. To where finally he's in Jerusalem, but it says he keeps himself hidden. He's trying to play it cool. He's trying to be in the shadows until he just couldn't help himself anymore. You remember like the wedding at Cana of Galilee? You remember when his mom's like, hey, Jesus, they're out of wine. Do something. He's like, woman, it's not yet my time. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do whatever he says. You remember that? And so it happens anyway. There's there's a similar thing here. This time it's of his own doing. And finally, he goes into the synagogue and he begins to teach. Okay, now remember, he wasn't even going to go. And then he was going to hide in the shadows, but now he's actually teaching publicly in the synagogue. And of course, they're asking him all kinds of questions and trying to nail him with the law of Moses and all this. Until finally, it says this in verse 37. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Let me ask you, how thirsty are you this morning? A little thirsty? A lot thirsty? Major thirsty? Do you just feel like I could drink a gallon of spiritual water? Wherever you are, just be honest. I think Mark's testimony was awesome. Just be honest about where you are. Like, Lord, I'm not really thirsty. Our Lord, I'm so thirsty. You just got to pour out on me. Because see, the Beatitudes say, or the beautiful attitudes, they say, blessed are those who hunger and what? Thirst, because they will be filled. You see, this is, the, this is a manifestation of the water from the rivers of God. Because he goes on, for the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given. Notice the tense of the language there, future tense, right? The spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. If the spirit would be given but hadn't yet. Then why is Jesus so boldly saying, come to me and drink? Because it hasn't been given yet. So how are you going to, is this just a cruel tease? Is this just a provocative statement? No, it's because Jesus knew like David, he was the son of David, like the great King David before him, that anything you could see in the future, you could pull into your present. So he's saying, come and drink. The subnotes of John's gospel said, yeah, but the spirit hadn't been poured out yet. The day of Pentecost, in other words. Yeah, he's inviting everybody to have it now. Are you, are you guys with me? Uh, here's another example. Has it ever occurred to you that everything Jesus did in his ministry, heal the sick, deliver the demonized, salvation, the forgiveness of sins, he did based on an event that hadn't happened yet? You getting that? In other words, how do we know that we're saved, healed, and delivered? Through the atonement on the cross. By his stripes, we are healed. Because of his shed blood, we are forgiven. But yet the man who was paralyzed and lowered through the roof, he said, your sins are forgiven. How could he do that? 
His blood of the perfect lamb had not been shed yet. And then how can he say, well, if you think that's something, rise up, take your mat and walk. And the guy's healed. How does he do that? Because of the spiritual principle that comes out of the river. You see, the Holy Spirit reaches into the future and brings it into your present. How thirsty are you? What future are you living from? Are you just getting by until one day we all go to glory? Or like the, the, um, the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come now on earth as it is in heaven. Let's be about the Father's business and making our earth look a little bit more like heaven. Rather than just holding on in this terrible, evil world until we can get into glory. Don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to that day. But we got a job to do while we're here. And it's full of joy. And it's full of like Uganda's. It's full of mountaintop experiences. And yes, there will be valleys. Psalm 23 is always going to be true no matter what. Until the perfect comes, none of the stuff will all be done away with. But there certainly can go for a high percentage. Because I figure if Jesus said these works I do, you will do, and even greater. And all who they brought, all they brought to him were healed. Oh, that's, that's the standard I'm going for. The bar is all. All saved, healed, and delivered that came. All who came were healed. And you're like, well, that's kind of presumptuous. Sure. I mean, I'll, be, I'll admit, we're probably never going to reach completely 100%. But let me ask you this. You never, you, you strike out, what's the phrase? Say it for me. You miss all the balls that you don't swing at. You miss all the shots that you don't shoot. Right? So if the bar is up here at 100% and we come in at 80 how many know that's a lot of salvations, healing, and deliverances? But if we reduce our theology for less than what the Bible says, then no wonder there's a whole segment of the church that doesn't believe God heals today. Because when you never pray for the sick, you never see anybody healed. It's just, I, it's a wild phenomenon. Again, in uh, the Passion. Oh, uh, wait, hold on. Mm. Yeah, in the Passion Translation, that verse 38, it says this. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you. Flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. So that begs the question, what scriptures? Because Jesus is referring to something, but he doesn't directly reference the scriptures. So then it causes us to hunger. And you know how he said it's, to yours, it's yours to know the mysteries? This, is, to me, is one of the mysteries. Like, well, clearly the scriptures talk about these rivers, but which ones? So in the next few minutes, I just want to give you a few, just a list. If you want to jot them down, you can research them on your own later and ask God to speak to you. But like Murchison Falls in the video, the most powerful waterfall in the world on the Nile River, the longest river on earth, the rivers of water will flow like a waterfall from your, from your heart. You saw the roar and the power of that waterfall? I think what Jesus is saying is the Holy Spirit River will burst 
Like that waterfall out of you. Has anybody ever experienced maybe a taste of that? I don't know if there's anybody in this room, to be honest, has experienced the fullness of it. I mean, I have had some moments where I felt so, I don't know how to explain it, full of God that I could burst. (laughs) I remember one time, uh, I'm going to talk about the river of fire in a minute, but I remember one time being in this fire and I was so just, just consumed with this fire of God that the Lord said, I felt like a fool. Okay. To be honest, I just, I I would not want to see the YouTube video of what I looked like or what I was doing. It would be embarrassing, but I knew it was God. So amen, Lord, I'll become more undignified than this. And, um, and I remember the Lord said to me, he said, Matthew, I'm going to put you in places where I'll just set you out for people to watch you burn. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if that's what you want to do, Lord, I will. I'll be that person. I don't care how foolish, undignified, ridiculous it may seem. If it's God, I want all of God. And this is the power of the bursting forth of the rivers of God in your life. Here's three ways real quick that three ways that the rivers in the spirit reflect the spiritual reality of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Okay, number one, I've already mentioned there were four rivers that flowed from Eden. That's Genesis 2.8, if you're taking notes. You can look that up. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. Okay. Number two, um, another way is that there's trees with fruit. How many are familiar with Galatians 5? I think it's verse 22, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Lydia was memorizing that verse the other day. Remember that? Like, why are you memorizing this? Bible class hasn't started yet. Peace, pay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long, fruitfulness, you know, whatever it is. It goes on and on. Well, Psalm 1 says this about a river. He says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Now, I think Mark's testimony is a good example of this because as he's dwelling beside the river of the Holy Spirit, there was a fruitfulness that resulted in your life, right? And that was a deep repentance and a deliverance from something that was hindering him. But also, it's who wants to be like Jesus in your attitudes? Who wants love? Who wants joy? Who wants peace? Oh, gosh, how about this? And who wants some patience? Lord, help me. I'm just going to confess right here. <laughs> I need some patience, Lord. Well, you know where that is? That patience is in the Holy Spirit. As you dwell and you get immersed and saturated and in over your head in the Holy Spirit, guess what happens? You become more patient with your wife. No, she becomes more patient with... I don't know how that works. Anyway... You apply it in whatever context you want to. This is a part of the river of the Holy Spirit. Are you guys bearing with me? Are you okay? Like trees who gain strength growing beside the river, people who are immersed in the Holy Spirit get filled with all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And then the third way that rivers reflect the spiritual reality is this river of fire. Daniel 7, 1, write that down. Daniel 7, 1, and then we'll jump to verse 9. I'm in the NIV. I'm jumping around here. But 
It says, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in the bed. All, all of these scriptures could be a whole series of sermons in themselves, but I'm giving a quick, broad sweep. He wrote down the substance of his dreams. As I looked, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. Whew, love you, Ancient of Days. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. And a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Now, who remembers Ezekiel's river flowing from the temple from last week? In Revelation, you can see that there was a river flowing from the throne of God. What is that river? It's the outpour of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it appears or it manifests like a good fire. Because we think of fires like God bless Maui. That's happened this week as destructive and terrible. And Lord, help them. We pray for them. But in the spirit world, the fire of God is beautiful. It's cleansing. It can be slightly painful, but in a good way. Oh, God hurt me so good. I remember one time I was at a Randy Clark impartation meeting here in Durham. And uh, have you ever seen that person in a, in a prayer ministry setting that is the person that everybody's kind of looking at to see if they're getting delivered from a demon? Like they're wailing and we like, ah! You're just like, oh my gosh, Lord, bless them. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm glad there's people praying for him because that's, I, that guy was me. And it was mostly uncontrollable. But let me tell you what happened. Randy gives an invitation to come up for impartation. I run up there, I'm standing there. And then all of a sudden I begin to feel a fire. And the fire was right here in the palms of my hand. And what started as a little, like, burning became really intense. I mean, almost to the point where I was going to ask God to make it stop. Because it was getting really uncomfortable, and I couldn't control it, and my arms were doing like this. And the Lord said, Matthew, if you can share in my suffering, you can behold my glory. And that's when I started being that guy. I mean, I'm just a mess. Snot on the carpet. I mean, it's... It's an ugly but a beautiful scene. And I'm telling you, it's the same fire that came into that dear elderly, formerly Muslim woman. Who she felt pain, but she felt this heat taking it out. If you ever lay your hands on the sick and they say, oh, I feel tingling. I feel heat. Sometimes it's, it's even cold, but mostly heat. Don't be discouraged. This is a good sign. Say, okay, well, where is it? Put your hand there. Continue to pray because it's a river of fire that comes from the throne. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that brings healing in many, many ways. Whew. All right. Kinds of rivers. I got about five. I'm going to just throw out here real quick. John four, number one. All right. I got seven minutes. John four, woman at the well. You remember that one? See, it's the river of evangelism, words of knowledge, and healing. So if you've been crying out, like, God, help me to share the gospel with power, go to John 4. Just read it, read it, read it, read it. Ask the Lord to do something to you, in you. Remember in John 4, Jesus gets words of knowledge for this woman. Words of knowledge, and then healing comes to her soul. 
And then she goes back and she tells her whole village, come and see this man who told me everything I've ever done. This is the primary river that I identified in Uganda. I mean, it's like evangelism just happens. It's just easy. It's just like there's a flow of it throughout that country. And this is, I believe, the impartation that I brought back in the (laughs) U-Haul. I love, um, besides John 4, Isaiah 55, 1. I know Michael knows that one. In the New King James, it starts with our favorite word. Ho! Anybody ever felt a ho coming on? That's a transliteration in English, H-O. But it's, oh! It's it's Romans 8. There's words that's inexpressible. It's just like a groaning of the Holy Spirit comes out of this river. This river of evangelism. Okay, and um, it says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. I saw that happen. Number two, John 14 and 15. I didn't know how to label this one, but I'm going to call it the identity river. The Lord's been, we've been big on identity Um, In the last few years, the identity river or another one is the river of sonship. See, guys, at River Life, we have this river. We have all the rivers. Don't misunderstand me. We have a greater understanding of this river. And the reason I know that is because I preached about seven times in six days in Uganda. And there was such a grace on it because I just kept opening to John 14. And 15. And I just began to go verse by verse and just share on the heart of a loving father. Then I went to the story of what we formerly called the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son, that we now call the parable of the loving father. Because the focus is on the love of the father, not the sin of the son, anyway. And I began to share this, and people were completely undone. It was like they looked at me, and you can tell me later, Joshua or Richard or whoever's watching, but. Here's the way I felt. They looked at me like, what is this revelation that we've never heard? And I'm sure they'd heard it, but it was a a Kairos moment. Like the Indian prophet. It's a Kairos moment where have you ever been and you listen to someone teach or preach? And it was like, technically, you know, you've heard what they're saying. But at that moment, the Holy Spirit illuminates it. Why? Because the river of revelation is flowing through the room. See, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. Sonship, daughterhood. Number three, Revelation 4. Who loves some sea of glass worship? We tapped in last song of the worship set. I mean, the whole worship set, but especially there where we just began to sing what um, the New Testament calls spiritual songs. Right? They're spontaneous. Sometimes they're more like groanings from your heart. In the future, as we enter those moments, if you're a little more unfamiliar, I want to encourage you, just open your mouth and let a tone come out. Like you can feel the buzz of God in the room and just open your mouth and go, ah. don't, don't worry about if you're on key or not. That's really not important. But here's what I've experienced in sea glass worship. And again, you study Revelation there. Sea glass worship. They say from people who have been there and come back to tell the tale that every song that's ever been written is all playing at the same time. 
It, that sounds like chaos to me. But for, for in heaven, it's the most powerful and beautiful sound that could ever be made. It actually redoes DNA. It's, yeah. it's so powerful. Yeah. And we've seen this in, in, in 2006. A manifestation of the river began to pour out River Life Mooresville where we were. And uh, one of the most marking times of that was this, this worship where what I'm describing began to happen in mass to where the sounds would just go on and on. It felt like hours. It probably wasn't hours. But the sounds would just go and just... There were times where I literally was like, the roof is going to come off here in just a minute. We're all going to get enraptured into heaven right now because whatever's going on in this room, it was God and it was really good. And guess what? People's hearts were healed. People's bodies were healed. People were delivered. All kinds of fruit happened because it's the river of sea of glass worship of the Holy Spirit. We will never apologize for that. Yeah, it could be seem a little different, but it's so worth whatever God has for his people. These are gifts. These are tools. They're not have-tos. They're get-tos. Woo, come on. Ezekiel number four, the Ezekiel 47 that Sarah so well preached on. It's a prophetic river. Remember in verse one, in my vision, he says, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple. Notice in my vision. How many people are familiar with the flow of the prophetic? By prophetic, I simply mean this. You simply are able for in supernatural ways. To hear what you feel like the God is communicating to you. And most of the time, communicate that to someone else. Let's take the spin off of it. That's all prophetic ministry is. Sometimes it has to do with the future. But a lot of times it just has to do with encouraging someone's heart now. And in the flow, particularly, here's my, I'm just speaking from my personal experience. The most common that I know this is when the glory of God is in the room. And there's this flow going on. And it's like... Kind of like in the days of King Saul, where they said, is Saul one of the prophets? And then all these other guys start prophesying. Why? Because the flow, the river of the of prophetic got released there. We were in this, in fact, one of the first, seek, not the seek night. It was after the seek night with the cove over two years ago. Um, y'all came here. And I remember Tiffany started to prophesy during worship. And as she prophesied, was it over you? Well, she prophesied over Vicky. Then Vicky comes up. She starts prophesying. And then all God's children start prophesying. I mean, it's like just past the mic. Everybody can prophesy. Why? Because the river of the Holy Spirit is flowing through the room. I mean, oftentimes, if I can just get my hand on somebody in that river, I can just read their mail like crazy. I'll never forget one of the first college students we had come visit our church. We were in a different building. It was a sweet young girl, two girls, and they came. And this was going on. Worship was happening. And I just said, you ride horses. And I just started prophesying all the same about horses. And she was like, she, she was freaked out. Like, and guess what? She never came back. <laughs> I kid you not. She, I kid you not. And that's sort of discouraging. But it was like. Who, where, what did we just go to? This guy, like, is he intercepting my text messages? Like, 
Does he have my email? Like, what is going on? No, every single person sitting in this room can tap into that. I promise you. I guarantee you. It is not just for the prophets. That's a whole different thing, the office of the prophet. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a prophetic flow is in the river of God. And it's in the midst of us, the church. Are you guys all right? I'm almost done. I got I to gotta hurry. All right, you're going to like this one. Isaiah 58, the river of reconciliation, restoration, and justice. Isaiah 58, 9. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. Listen up. You will be like a well-watered garden. Remember the Garden of Eden? It had never rained at that point. And these rivers were coming through the garden and these springs were bursting forth. This is analogy for that. This is what you will be. In other words, he's saying you will return to Eden. You will have direct communication with the Father like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Y'all, I want some of you guys to go with me next summer. To see this home, like Isaiah prophesied, being built in Uganda for disenfranchised widows and orphans. Finally, Revelation 22. What is this number? Five, six? I lost track. Revelation 22. It's simply called the river of life. Similar to our namesake, except for I'm going to clarify that in a minute. This is the river of fruitfulness and healing. Then the angel showed me, Revelation 22.1, he showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Y'all remember when Moses struck the rock in the wilderness and what flowed out? Water to to give four million plus people a drink who were thirsting to death. That was a foreshadowing of something. You know what it was? It was when our Lord was hanging on the cross and they took that spear and they put it out in his side and what flowed out? Water and blood. You see, that was a manifestation of the river of the new covenant that never stopped flowing. These are just a few of the many examples. Research it for yourself. I'm sure you can find rivers that I haven't talked about. Of these spiritual rivers that are available for us. But there's a practical application. This isn't just a spiritual reality like, oh, that was a nice spiritual thing. But what does that do in my everyday life? It has everything to do with your everyday life. Because all life is lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Really, to be technical... It's more accurately defined this way. There are many streams that make up one Psalm 46 river. But there are also other rivers of like revelation is a river. Deliverance is a river that's flowing now. Salvation obviously is a river. We can tap into these rivers anytime. 
And we are constantly discerning which river is flowing the strongest. So, for example, somebody tell me what river was flowing in this room here earlier this morning. Like, what do we do? Worship, healing, deliverance. What about Michael's word? Prophecy, tongues, whatever. I mean, you could, there's a lot of stuff. So as leaders and just as Christians, a part of the church, this is what we're doing every Sunday or anytime we gather. Like, OK, well, forget about my agenda. I mean, I, I got a message prepared or whatever. And they prepared songs. We've got a, a structure to facilitate the flow. You know, like Mark had something to share. So it's like, great, Donovan and Danielle are leading. Go share with them first and let them fit it in. Yeah, so we got these protocol, if you want to call them that, but not to hold anything back, but to accelerate the flow of the river. Because we want to know, God's in the midst of us. What's he doing? Well, whatever God's doing, that's what we're doing. I'm not really interested in doing anything else. I don't know about you. We can tap into this anytime. We can discern what rivers seem to be flowing the strongest and just jump into them. Get in and over our heads, hopefully. Now, here's one note, too. The rivers are always changing. Just like in the natural, I bet you any river that you go to, there's rocks, there's eddies. It's shifted. It flows over here. It used to flow over there. It's always moving and changing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not a formula. The Holy Spirit is a person. And with a person, you don't go by principles. You go by relationship. You say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing today? Holy Spirit. Okay. That's what we're doing. We might walk in here a year, two years from now, and even the prophetic river that we know and love has changed. I remember Byron, my pastor, used to say this all the time. I just feel like everything's changing. And for years, I couldn't figure out what he meant by that because he's one who's sort of cryptic in his language. Like, Changing how? And you're like, mm. He wouldn't really answer the question, you know. But I believe that's part of the reason is because it's a river that you don't completely know where it's headed, but you know it's going to be good and you know it's going to be God. Deep things, again, we read at the beginning, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, But God has revealed them. What are them? Them are the power of the Holy Spirit and the mysteries of the kingdom. Okay? God has revealed the power of the Holy Spirit and the mysteries of the kingdom to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Who hungers for the depths of God? I just want, as much as I love you and know you, God, I just want to know you more. I want to go deep in you. And God's not 150 feet deep. He's infinitely deep. We're going to go for all of eternity and never get to the end of who he is. Isn't that amazing? The Murchison waterfall, as I said, is so powerful that it's carved a depth in the Nile at its base of 150 feet deep. In the same way, our Father wants to reveal deep things to our understanding. But it's often through the pressures of life. That he has carved out depth in you that will produce power and reveal his glory. Have you ever noticed that it was the suffering of Christ that revealed the glory of Christ? That's a spiritual principle that is true in the kingdom. So whatever you're going through or you may have gone through, say praise be to God. (laughs) 
The Lord is going to reveal the next level of glory and power in me because I'm suffering. I'm having difficulty. Make that thing work for you. Because remember, even about his own death, Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it cannot bear much fruit. It's happening, guys. It's happening in your life. Finally, I promise I'm closing. (laughs) This is the um, theme verse for River Life Fellowship. Um, All three churches. This is where this came from. In 2003, uh, Byron and Becky had taken over uh, a church in 1994 called Calvary Community Church. It was an evangelical free denominational church. You may have heard of Chuck Swindoll. He would be the most probably famous e-free kind of guy. And so it was good word-based, didn't know anything about worship or the flow of the Holy Spirit until Byron and Becky came. And then they brought Chuck and Janet Moore who began to introduce spirit, sea glass type of worship. And they said, as they began to play, people didn't do anything but just sit there and cry because they didn't know. They didn't know how to express. They didn't know how to worship. And so they began to teach them. These are the the rudimentary beginnings of what is now our church community. Okay, so in 2003, so from 94 to 2003, we had been Calvary Community Church. People came thinking we were a Southern Baptist church, community, um, an E-free, whatever, and they were sorely disappointed when they got there and realized we ain't that. And so... In 2003, the Lord said to Byron, the road for Calvary community is over. Exit now. We're like, all right, exit. I'll never forget. He put an exit sign up on the screen. He's like, this is where we're going. And he began to pray like, Lord, who are we? And um, the Lord said, River Life. And he began to look for a domain name for a website. And there are uh, 150,000 river of lives around the world. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm picking them. There's a lot. In other words, there was nothing available. So the very spiritual way that he landed on Take the Of Out was the domain name for River Life Fellowship was available. <laughs> well, how many know you think that you're accidentally stumbling upon something? So we became River Life, or I think of life in the Holy Spirit. Okay, life in the Holy Spirit. But little did we know then that three years later, like I alluded to, the women went on this fall women's retreat, literally spent the weekend on the floor, and an unusual thing happened. Instead of it just being a nice retreat that maybe changed your life, but you come back to business as normal, that Sunday they came back and the whole room, I mean, we just experienced an outbreak of the Holy Spirit that we, we, we refer to as the river pouring out. And this is the verse, Psalm 46, 4 and 5. I'll close with this. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. That that says it all. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High God is in the midst of her, this river. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. Who is her? The bride of Christ. It's us, the church. The city of God is in the middle of us. It's happening in heaven. It's happening on the earth right now. So which rivers do you discern are flowing in your life? Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.